to Going Mutts with the Little Black Dog Rescue Group. Join hosts Sarah and Erin each week as we dive into all things rescue, dogs, and the dog parent life. The Little Black Dog Rescue Group is a DC area-based, all-volunteer, all-foster-based dog rescue. Our goal is to help any abandoned, mistreated, or abused dog find the best possible home in the DC area regardless of breed, color, or size. We strive to achieve this goal with compassion, transparency, and a strong sense of responsibility to our dogs, applicants, volunteers, foster families, and supporters. Read more about what we do at www.thelittleblackdog.org. Let's open the podcast with a puppy crying in the back. <laughs> it is puppies versus puppies in my home at the moment. <laughs> Welcome back to Going Mutts. Uh, this week we have Stephanie joining us. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. And as always, we have Aaron with us. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. Uh, Stephanie is one of TLBD's incredibly generous and devoted fosters. Technically, Stephanie is just one of mine. <laughs> Stephanie and I have a history from the place that shall not be named. Right. Uh, and I, it's one of my favorite stories to tell, if I'm honest, to this day. It's just been, like, I love that story. I love how, like, just kind of honest the whole moment was. Also, Absolutely. I got to meet your family and your, your giant lab. <laughs> your folks' giant lab that smiles. Because I was like, mm, the smile is like... Yeah. It looks like a sneer or like a, it's, it looks like it's a teeth showing. It could look mean, if but it's a smile. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that that dog, your folks dog also failed the like doggy school that he was in, right? Yeah. He was supposed to be a service dog. <laughs> and he decided service dog was not for him. He wanted to be a spoiled family dog instead. So. Well, he deserved it. He's enormous. And that smile kills me. One of the first things I said was, so what's that? <laughs> oh, what's that? <laughs> but welcome and thank you for doing this. Uh, if you've ever thought about fostering and want a first-hand account of what it's like, then this episode is for you. Also, I mean, at this point, it's almost unfair to say that because technically, most recently, you were a foster fail uh, yes. and an adopter now. <laughs> I am. I, uh, I foster failed about two weeks ago. So I might be a bad influence to talk about fostering on here because I'll encourage everyone to, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can still encourage them to do that. For what it's worth. <laughs> All right. So first things first, if this is a question we ask everyone, have you listened to the podcast before? I have. I was going to say, if you lie, I will know. <laughs> like here we based go. on your response right now, you know that that's the thing that I'll do. Uh, if you were a dog, what kind of dog would you be? So I really struggled with this one. I always do. And I had to ask a couple family members because I was like, guys, <laughs> what traits do I have? What's your favorite type of dog? <laughs> and they were like, a lab. <laughs> yeah. and I got a wide range of responses. And what was your favorite? Well, first, what, was, what response were you most offended by? So <laughs> my best friend sent me just a screenshot <laughs> of a Bernese mountain dog. No, and so wrong. And a screenshot of a little bio on Google, and it talked about how the Bernese mountain dog was <laughs> large, aggressive, and shed a lot. And I was like, hey. <laughs> um, I'm blonde also, thank you. 
Yeah. And then I asked my family friend and she said, and Afghan hound. Large is rude. (laughs) Yeah. And she said, uh, an Afghan hound because I'm tall and blonde. And so then I asked my mom and I got a little bit more of an accurate answer, which I go with. Um, I think I would be a border collie because I'm pretty active. Um, I am, I would consider myself pretty smart and a fast learner. And I probably think about work or something like that, having a job too much. So need to be entertained like a border collie does a little neurotic, but we'll, we'll smooth over that and just say I'm smart. (laughs) Okay. So for what it's worth, I am wrong too. Okay. (laughs) Cause I definitely went with tall. Qualifier. And it sounds like lots of folks are going with tall as their qualifier. Let me look. So this is, yeah, let's look up just the qualities real quick. (laughs) Because I don't want to be super off base, but this also immediately made sense to me. Okay. Irish wolfhound is what I thought. An Irish wolfhound. Listen, I'll take it. But gentle, noble, sensitive, and easygoing. So Easygoing you are, technically, but it's because you seem to understand, like, of the qualities that you have, you are absolutely, like, you're open for anything, Mm -hmm. but you know your limitations. Yeah. So I think that you are also teachable, but you also know a lot already. Border collies seem to intuitively know a lot. Okay. Right? Like, they can corral uh, and do things without necessarily needing to be taught every nuance. They learn a lot as they go. So I agree with your assessment more than my assessment. Uh, Aaron, your turn, baby. Yep. Okay. Um, so how long have you been a foster with Little Black Dog and how many foster dogs have you had? Yeah, so I've been officially a foster with the Little Black Dog for a couple of months now, maybe four months. Um, but Sarah and I have known each other for a little while Um associated with fostering for other rescues. Let's talk but, about the story um, when I met you. <laughs> okay. You got there it. There were actually, you know what? I think technically any singular foster relationship that you have had, or like at least the majority of them have been like, have been unique in some way. Right. Absolutely. So the very first one was uh, a big old dog that was a return to the rescue at the time. This was not this rescue. Uh, He had some aggression issues, but Stephanie was all in. Girlfriend was all in. (laughs) She was like... I was a little ambitious. Well, you're appropriately ambitious. I think you gave a dog a shot. That's how I view it. I don't think you were overly ambitious. I do think you gave a dog a chance. And he showed himself to be a little bit more challenging than any of us planned for. Um, He... I'm not going to say his name. He was this big, he was huge. He was a big dog. Stephanie, I I told her everything about him. I sent you the videos of him, right, in advance. She's like, okay. Mm -hmm. He was a resource guarder, a bed guarder, kind of just picked and choose what he wanted to do. And he was just too big of a dog to be that, like, that intense when he resource guarded. When I say intense when he resource guarded, I mean barked, lunged, would try to bite somebody. He was mean looking. He looked as mean, and he looked like he could do damage, and I'm sure he could have had he connected with anyone. Uh, he, right. <laughs> I got a call from Stephanie. 
She was uh, in a school parking lot 15 minutes from the house. In a school parking lot. <laughs> and it took 100%. us an hour and a half. I brought Cece with me. Uh, I thought, okay, maybe if Cece would get in the car, then he would get in the car. But I didn't honestly, like, I knew that he was okay with other dogs. I didn't know if he'd be okay with little dogs. Cece's just kind of a big enough jerk. So Aaron has a little, a little jerkish dog. She's not a jerk. Loki's not a jerk. A Cece, she's a Cece-ish dog. That's what I mean. <laughs> she is, jerk is not what I mean. I mean, particular. <laughs> that is accurate, yeah. What Stephanie did not say was like this. I can't take this dog. <laughs> so we spent we spent that. an hour and a half trying to get him back or get him into her car. We finally did it with enough food and CC. Uh, and then Stephanie was like, "No, I can't." This I'm, you were in Pennsylvania. You were so far away by yourself. I get it. Like I totally got it too. And I should have just asked up front is the other thing. Are you comfortable taking this dog? Because then we wouldn't, like, I could have just spent that hour and a half getting her in, him into my car. He was not, I mean, he went to a board and train the next day for what that's worth. I don't know that I ever told you that. Uh, I, the dog she had after that, he was a challenging dog. He was a big dog and he was a challenging dog. The dog she had after that, again, other different place, different time. Didn't know, but this dog was pregnant. Stephanie was like, I'm pretty sure this dog is pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> I'm in the Poconos in Pennsylvania at a cabin by myself. The closest vet is maybe an hour away. And I call Sarah and I'm like, she's getting like, bigger. She, there's no way. <laughs> it's not. that She's been with, she was in a shelter slash with a foster. But she. I didn't realize she had just gotten there. So at this other place... We didn't have records on dogs before they came to us. <laughs> we got them when they, Aaron's whole face. <laughs> we got them when they arrived and those, like they were unreliable records too at the very same time. So it was hard to know for sure. Like we told people what we knew, but I was, I, I'm also still just myself and I'm like, no, come on. <laughs> and just wrong. I think we figured out that there was maybe one or two days there, in the yep. that were you know, was possible to her, for her to get pregnant because she had she just came with had one of the puppies yep. as well. Yep. So we were, there was there was no way that she was pregnant. And she was totally and she pregnant, was. and she had like eleven <laughs> dogs. She had a lot of dogs. <laughs> Stephanie was like, I can't oh take God. all these puppies. I can't. That's not a thing. I'm. A, I was like, got it. You're good. <laughs> I think I left around the same time. Well, also. <laughs> Yeah, I remember being again mm -hmm. at the cabin and the the diagnosis or the you know determining factor of whether or not she was pregnant was put your hand on her belly and see. It was if her boobs movement. though. You were totally it right. Like, it was like in the pictures you sent a bunch of pictures. I were, I looked at these after you reached out like the early part of this year and yeah. I was like, "Man, <laughs> it was just like a flashback." <laughs> it was a whole dang flashback. <laughs> But uh, that that was a that was absolutely an experience. She was that was a dog that needed you and needed where you were because she did a lot better once she was there. Uh, she was in a bunch of apartments and just tearing things apart <laughs> where she was. She needed to be outside and like just needed enough space to decompress. And as a big girl with a bunch of little babies inside of her, she needed even more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, poor mama. She did. I think she ended, well, I know she went to a volunteer and 
And she also Did she? failed. I didn't know that. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. Aw. <laughs> Thank you for telling yeah. me that. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you have been... A f- oh, wait, sorry. The last story is the most recent one <laughs> that you told before the podcast started. Uh, Stephanie texted me yesterday and she's like, so are we sure that Vicente's microchip is the right one? Uh, because I was at the vet, or I took him to his vet appointment, and they scanned for a microchip, and it was not the microchip number that you have on the records. And I was like, crap. <laughs> if she's asking, then she's right. So I checked, and I, like obviously it was the brother's microchip number. <laughs> but you have an imposter in your home, maybe. I hear you, Bree. Bree is irritated that I did that. <laughs> that huge moan sound was her just... Oh, Sarah, again. <laughs> Come on. Get it together. <laughs> That's okay. Vicente or Alejandro then, or whoever he is snores during my work calls, and it seems like it's me because we never have camera on. And so I have to clarify that I am not snoring. It is a very large dog. <laughs> I usually get Loki in the background going, arr, arr, which means shut up. <laughs> yeah. Or hurry up. Not shut up. Hurry up. Wrap it up. All right. Uh, do you want to give us an update on your latest foster with TLBT? I already did half of it for you. No, that's okay. So um, the the most recent foster cycle I've had, um, let's see, I had Foxy first, and then I had Harmony, and then I had Bella, um, and now I have Vicente, Vicente, or Vince is how he's, his name has been changed. Um, I originally was just going to take him for a weekend to be a temporary foster. Um, and then I accidentally fell in love with him and foster failed. So he is a very large, um, we think, lab red healer mix. Extremely unclear, maybe some big dog in there like Dane or Mastiff. Um, because he's 65 pounds at less than a year, so he's going to be a big boy. Hey girl. Um, <laughs> you <laughs> fell in love with him yeah. almost, like, first day fell in love with him. You're like, uh, this dog's incredible. <laughs> and then Absolutely. an event sealed yeah. the deal for you, right? A hundred percent. So we took him to an adoption event at a brewery in, I believe it was in Alexandria. Um, and... We were sitting there, you know, talking to people about the rescue, talking to people about Vince, and every single person I talked to, I was like, I have to take this. You texted me while you were there, didn't you? Exactly. And then I went to my car. We loaded Vince right up in the car. I went to the car, sat in the driver's seat, and filled out the adoption application. Like, this is it. I have to have this dog. Yeah, so um, that kind of that kind of sealed the deal that he was he was mine. I really wasn't expecting to foster fail. I know some people kind of head into fostering with an idea that maybe they're looking for their forever dog, but um, this just he just fell into my lap. And well, if he actually fell into my lap, I think the air would have been knocked out of me. But uh, yeah, <laughs> he's too big. Boy, excited. All right, we do love a good foster fail at TLBD. How did you know that Vince was the one? Aaron, I'm stealing your line. So he kind of checks all of the boxes in a dog that I was looking for um, to keep to be my own. So 
when I first got him, he was super fearful. I live in a high rise apartment and he was not a fan of elevators. He did not really understand how doors worked. He was really freaked out about almost everything. But what really stuck out to me about him was that he was brave. So he did not put on the brakes and not go in the elevator. He would just shrink down all the way so his belly was on the ground and army crawl onto the elevator. He powered through it. Not go indoors. Exactly. He didn't not go indoors. He just would kind of scamper his way around what he thought was the most uncomfortable or dangerous part of the door. So really the bravery that I saw in the first one or two days um, that I had him, or I guess resiliency is a better word to call it, right? He had been through so much, this crazy transport. He was transferred between fosters because he was at a temporary foster that was just enough to take him from the transport. Um, Brought to me long car ride, different people, high rise building. And he still was so excited about life, was so excited to be in a stable place. Um, That, that kind of attitude uh, initially was, um, something that I really was kind of attracted to and looking for a dog for my, for myself. Besides that, he's just the type of dog that I love. And like, I, I like big the and blonde. he's big and <laughs> blonde and lanky. <laughs> um, so we knew kind of, as soon as I saw him, I was like, Oh no, <laughs> this is my type of dog. Um, but yeah, generally his attitude and his temperament really just fits in with my, my lifestyle and how, how I like to work with dogs. So yeah, he's, he's a perfect little guy. <laughs> Not a little guy. A awesome. All right, Aaron, do you want to ask the advice question? Sure. Um, so what would be your top three pieces of advice for people who want to try fostering? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I would generally recommend is knowing yourself. So knowing what your routines are like, knowing how much time you have to dedicate to fostering, know what kind of dogs you like and get along with, because not that every foster is looking to adopt, certainly not. And I would say a minority is fosters that are looking to adopt. However, dogs that fit into your lifestyle are important even for fostering long-term. So for example, I generally don't get along with small dogs. It's just not dogs that I have experience with. It's not, you know, they, I just, we haven't vibed. And so I've made it very clear in filling out my foster application and speaking with my placement coordinators for all of my fosters that a big dog would fit better in my lifestyle. I'm pretty active. I go on walks and runs a couple times a day. I want a dog to be able to keep up with that. So even if you're not looking to adopt this dog, you want them to be able to be comfortable and have their needs met in your, in your lifestyle. Um, so that's the kind of first piece of advice is know yourself first. I think the second one is definitely be flexible. And as Sarah has told all of these stories, that's kind of the red thread that has gone through all of these. Um, Knowing that a foster dog is not going to show up and just immediately click with you, immediately fit in your lifestyle, immediately be so easy, house trained, crate trained, know its name, all of that stuff. I think being able to both think on your feet picking up a dog at an airport in the dark. And also, yeah, I think, I think just being flexible in terms of, um, 
knowing that these dogs are coming from really tough situations often. They're not going to be the most well-adjusted, most stable, most perfect, beautiful dog right off of transport. And knowing that opening up your home to them and giving them a place to be stable is really important in their growth and their decompression from where they have been. Um, so being flexible in, in your own routines, attitude, patience, level, all of that stuff is definitely important as a uh, So I was going to say, yeah. I think that you do a good job of knowing your own limitations. Like with the first two that you just stated, uh, you do a good job of knowing your, not limitations exactly, but knowing kind of your threshold for, is this going to be a beneficial relationship? Like, is it going to be comfortable for the dog? And is it going to be manageable for you? I uh, I think Foxy is a good example where you knew that she had some triggers and she needed some work done. So you requested a move based off of like observing her interactions with dogs in your the hallway of your apartment, starting to escalate and kind of exacerbate an issue that she had that needed to be worked on. Uh, What, like, how do you do that? Or like, what is your, I feel like there are fosters that say, you know, I can't keep fostering this dog. It's just too much. How do you know how to gauge that? Like, what's your advice in those situations? Do it so well. Yeah, kind of walking that line between uncomfortable and just straight up not doable. Um, It's definitely difficult. I think it's a call that has to be made in as clear of a head as you can. So, for example, like when you first get a foster, sometimes sleep is something that gets sacrificed. They're not house trained. They're not, um, they don't, they're not acclimated with your routine yet. And so often it's easy in the kind of sleepless state that we get into at the beginning of fostering that I can't do this. This is just frustrating for me. I'm over it. I'm tired. So trying to make a decision on whether a dog is going to continue to fit in your space in as clear of a head, um, a headspace as you can is definitely important. Um, looking at a timeline as well, I think is something to consider. So is this just a dog decompressing? Is this having an issue that may last two or three days? Or is this something that may be escalating to forming a habit or a problem that will continue further as they adjust to your environment? So with Foxy, um, she was doing well at first, and then we realized that whenever we came across a dog in the hallway of my apartment, she would kind of get her back up and not really love that there was a small space and a dog coming directly at her. That's not something that I felt that I had the resources to work on day to day. It was not an environment that we could avoid necessarily, right? We have to go in the hallway. You have to go outside. Yeah. (laughs) And so I knew that if she was going to get her back up every time we had to go outside or every time she encountered someone in the hallway, that association would start to be formed. That's not something that, oh, she doesn't love interacting with dogs at the dog park. So maybe we introduce that carefully and slowly. This was me accidentally teaching her that the apartment hallway is a place to be uncomfortable. And so understanding the the timeline and the situation based on whether a foster is a, is a good fit, if there are behavioral um, questions or things that you run into is definitely, is definitely important. I think it, the way you phrased that was really important too, because you didn't put the blame on Foxy exactly. 
you understood that you were like your situation was uh or your yeah your circumstances were contributing to a potential well trigger that she had already and knowing and looking out for her best interest you requested the move and that was a very very appropriate and like kind thing to do that i think some people could look at well i'm not like i feel like i'm not seeing this all the way through that's not we don't need you to do that we really just need our fosters to advocate right. for absolutely the and if it's going to be uncomfortable for other fosters in the same situation right if you're creating bad habits that would impact another foster or a potential adopter and have them have to undo all of the you know, like bad habits that you have accidentally created, then absolutely changing their situation and stopping that at the beginning of that behavior, um, I think is really important. Agree. All right. Third bit of advice. Yeah, so since I interrupted you. Lexi, uh, know yourself, be flexible and don't be afraid to communicate, which threads in beautifully with what we were just talking about. Um, so yeah. So I think the Little Black Dog has a really good um, system of having placement coordinators available for contact with how the foster um, is is going or is doing, um, as well as being a main point of contact for any concerns that you have. And if you speak to placement coordinators that I've had, they may be a little bit, um, they may consider me a little bit overzealous in terms of communication. But I would say as a foster, it's important to bring up any questions, any concerns that you have at the start. Um, there were some medical issues that I encountered with one of my fosters that I had to really... Bella, who had diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it. And <laughs> Stephanie, who had the medical records, who was like, this is, these are hookworms, right? Oh, she's going to know. Because <laughs> she's she told me what it was. And I was like, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> And then Bella went to the vet and I was like, we'll see. And then it was hookworms. And I was like, we'll see. Yeah. It was just me not listening. No, and you are a great I think communicator. It was a good, you really are. It was a good, that's a good example to cite as well, because I was cleaning up dog puke every about hour and a half. And I could have just stopped and kind of accepted this as my, as my fate for the next couple of weeks. But instead I was fairly persistent in communication with my placement coordinator, with Sarah, with, um, a couple of other people from the rescue on the medical side saying, this is an actual problem. This dog is miserable. I'm not having a good time, certainly. Um, and so making sure that any of that, that level of communication, especially in a medical situation, um, happened and we were able to get her to a vet and we were able to get her a little bit um definitely feeling better <laughs> and eventually adopted yeah, so yeah. having that um just kind of moving quickly in terms of communication and don't feel like any request is too small. being persistent too i think your persist your qual the persistence of your communication you did not until that was getting better you did not lay off and I think that that was very, very appropriate for her. I really do. All right. So moving on. What was the first job you remember wanting? As the youngest little version of yourself, what yeah, job did you Yeah, so want? I kind of have always wanted to be a professor. Um, that's probably because I, my, my mom is a professor. And so I kind of grew up mm -hmm. underneath that um, 
kind of, you know, like home life lifestyle that that job allows you to have. I think if we think way, way, way back, I wanted to be a marine biologist, like every other kindergartner that learns about dolphins, you're like, yeah, that's that's the one I wanted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The way, 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 what is the very first one? Marine biologist. but I think cool. pretty quickly after that happened the transition. So dolphins was the one you wanted, like dolphins, dolphins was, the, was appeal the appeal for sure. I think, um, yeah, something about an aquarium when you're little, it definitely is. It's the place to be. All right, we're gonna move on to our rapid fire question section. Erin, it's gonna go first. Uh, what is your most used emoji? Um, the really happy, excited one with the cowboy hat. <laughs> I love those vibes. Love it. Yeah. Really? I'm happy to be here. <laughs> All right, we answer these questions as well. Aaron, what's my most used emoji? Uh, the black heart? Uh, no, next one. Next most used. Not little black dog one either, because that's only. Well, the ir- yes, it's the yes, eye roll yes, one. Definitely. <laughs> it's the eye roll. Eye roll is. Yeah. It's also what I do half the time. If I'm eye rolling, it's usually at myself though for what that's worth. When I send a million eye rolls, it's like, oh god, there are again. <laughs> Mine is probably the crying laughing emoji. Uh, all right, Stephanie, are you turning into your mother? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's not your mom. She's lovely, and I agree with you. <laughs> she's great, yeah. She's all things good. She's practical and smart and all of that. Unfortunately and also fortunately. We were talking about that actually this morning. Nice. To her. The mom, are you turning into your mom question is like a, it's a, it's a real translator, I think. Yeah. I was saying that (laughs) this morning how I'm trying my best to focus on looking less cool and instead just adding joy to the world. And as I typed it out in text, I was like, I'm my mom. (laughs) Proud of you for this. I love that. I love that you're doing that. More people should do that. I will tell you, it happens intuitively when you become a mother. <laughs> if you ever become one, not that you need to be one. Erin, <laughs> uh, are you turning into your mother? Yes. And it's a good thing. Your mom seems lovely. From all of that I've heard, she is lovely. I, I don't think I did it on purpose by any means. I'm sure I didn't. I think that there are parts of my life that I distinctly tried to not be like my mother, <laughs> which I also accomplished for what that's worth. It is the ways that I am with my children, which we don't have to include, but we could. Uh, like, I, I'm just more honest with my children, regardless of their age, which might be, like, that's a real hit or miss parenting choice that I make. Uh, I think otherwise, my mom works in healthcare. I'm not as successful as her, but I'm still young. <laughs> and yeah, I think that there are great ways, there are great things about my mom that I am mirroring and there are other ways that i'm not mirroring that she is not great and there are ways that i'm not great that i also am not <laughs> reflecting her in any way <laughs> she said to make sure she covered all of her bases <laughs> little punnet square of am i turning into my yeah yeah yep. yes 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 ish no. probably eventually right. in the good ways and the bad ways and the do you pick truth or dare dare most often Truth, but truth for me too. Yeah, I'm scared of what I'll be dared to do. Boring. Something naked. <laughs> Mostly, I worried about something illegal. And like when I was a teenager, I was very like 
conscientious of like my future political career and I didn't want to break the law. <laughs> How are you? So good for you, actually. Stephanie, why are you an anti trooper? <laughs> oh, <that> like? <laughs> well, I just feel like it makes the most fun stories. Like we can talk about different truth topics all day, but like, do you remember the time when Steph blah, 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 and I feel like even if it's embarrassing, looking back on it is a fun story to tell. That's true. My husband is a darer, for sure. All right, I have to get my phone for my next one, but what is your current screen time activity? Ooh. Do you have an iPhone? Yeah, I know. This is one that I'm like, oh, back burner that question. Uh, all right, you want me to share mine first? You got it. Huh? You got it. Mine will okay. be adjusted based on your answer. Okay, great. Uh, seven hours and 32 minutes is my daily average. <laughs> seven hours and 40 minutes. Uh-uh. Aaron, what's yours? Six hours and 48 minutes, which seems low. Damn it, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie wins. <laughs> I don't know if that's something that you really want. I don't know that that's exactly what that means either. All right, let's see my breakdown. You want to know my breakdown? Oh, uh, well, actually, what are your top three most used apps? I'll go, I'll go first. Messages, Outlook, and Smartsheets. <laughs> Not surprising. Slack is my number five. <laughs> Mine are Messages, Instagram, and Facebook, which makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> Got to get those dogs out there. <laughs> messages, WebEx, and Spotify. Nice. I'll take Spotify. Nice. Webex. I mean, it sounds like is just you work a lot. It, honestly, that's yeah. what it sounds like to me. <laughs> She's a border collie, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Erin, next. Uh, what was your first CD? Probably Shania Love Twain. It's <laughs> a good one. Shania Twain's a good one. Or Martina McBride or whoever that was, all played in my mom's minivan. Girl. Aaron? Mine was the soundtrack to the first Lord of the Rings movie. Oh, that was very nerdy. You were oh, totally yeah. right. Erin told me that her first, because I was proud of that question. <laughs> she said, my answer is super yep. nerdy. I was also a late adopter of CDs. I did cassette tapes for a really long time. So I was kind of old. Oh, yeah. Yuck. So first cassette tape I remember was a Connie Francis one. My grandma had it. <laughs> Who? Okay. What was the very first, like, not Jackson 5 first boy band, like the 90s boy band? New Kids on the Block. <laughs> oh, man. All right. New Kids on the Block. When were you relevant? It was 90s, but it was like 92. <laughs> Uh, Go-to pizza toppings. Black olives, mushrooms, green peppers. Buy meat. No, okay. I don't eat meat. I eat meat, but I don't like it on pizza. I do mushrooms and spinach, honestly. I'm a, uh, I'm a, a Hawaiian pizza with onion person. Add onion and hot sauce to it, or, and or hot sauce to anything, and I'm good to go. How do you feel about a Hawaiian pizza, but with jalapenos instead of ham? Because that is also Ooh. a go-to. It's pretty good. It's a little sweet. I will do that one next it. time with onion. But yeah, <laughs> that's a great, that's a great idea. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, very last question. Why are you like this? 
the podcast. I do appreciate your irritated answer and face. <laughs> you still seem offended. So. <laughs> it's all I need. Why are you so lovely? Please answer me. <laughs> wow. I was going to go the other direction and be like, we look at look in the mirror every morning, be like, time to cause. <laughs> That's just You're too no. pretty today again. Knock <laughs> <laughs> your <laughs> Why are you so lovely? You still have to answer. Oh, I still have to answer? We can go sweet with this and genuine, or we can you go both. funny. I think you I'll both, and then we'll pick, or we'll pick both or one. <laughs> Aaron will Aaron yeah. we'll cut out the, the wrong <laughs> one. Okay. Um, let's see. I have an excellent support system of people around me, and I was brought up to really emphasize kindness, and I think that carries over into every aspect of life work hobbies personality how you wake up every day and treat treat the world so boring yeah. but sweet <laughs> all right i think that's it erin you want to do our the wrap up i keep wanting to do the news sound which is not appropriate <laughs> so before we sign off here's all we have going on so far in may and coming up we have an adoption event coming up at Bark Social in Bethesda on Sunday, May 15th. It'll run from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We have another adoption event on May 28th at Port City Brewing Company in Alexandria. The event will run from 1 to 4 p.m. We're also attending the Wellray Delray Festival this year in Delray, Alexandria. We'll have fun merch on sale with proceeds benefiting the rescue, plus some pups and all the information Ooh. you need about volunteering, fostering, adopting, uh, all that fun stuff. Stephanie, are you going to Wellray Delray? I you should go. I can make it. Go. It seems like yeah. your kind of event. I will bring my new blonde son and <laughs> your beautiful right blonde now. self. <laughs> As always, you can sign up for our email updates and you can donate on our website, thelittleblackdog.org. Again, that is thelittleblackdog.org. We are a DC, Maryland, and Virginia based rescue. If you have hit Connecticut, you've gone too far. And until next time, thank you from the bottom of our little black hearts.